Thanks everyone for joining. I'm Robin Lyons, ISACA's IT Audit Professional Practices Principal. Today we have with us a special guest from Chess Consulting, Senior Manager Mike Tomaselli. Mike, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Robin. Thanks for joining, uh, having me join. Fantastic. Thank you. Everyone, today we're here to talk about Mike's recently published ISACA Journal article entitled, Should Cybersecurity Be Subject to a SOX-Type Regulation? Um, that's a very interesting topic, I think also very timely. But before we dive into that, Mike, uh, could you share a little bit about yourself, uh, just your professional career path, as well as a little bit about your personal interests outside of work for our, for our listeners? Yeah, definitely. Um, so as you said, I'm a senior manager with Chess Consulting, which is a firm based in Reston, Virginia. And we help our clients with risk management and regulatory compliance with a heavy focus on finance and accounting, while I lead our cybersecurity and IT services. Uh, we have a key expertise in assisting government contractors and managing the risks of working with the federal government. And I've got 16 years of consulting experience where I've dealt with a range of matters focused on compliance and risk management. Uh, earlier in my career, I spent about two years overseas uh, in Norway, the UK, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, Dubai, where I was focused on financial investigations and the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which was really super interesting. And about six years ago was when I got into cybersecurity, and that coincided with some regulations that were released by the Department of Defense for defense contractors to safeguard defense-related information on their networks. So it really tied in well with my work with other government contractors and really kind of spearheaded my drive into uh, cybersecurity. On a personal note, I've got uh, twin seven-year-old boys and, and a wife here in Northern Virginia. So um, always keeps me busy. I, I can't imagine. I'm sure the energy of, of seven-year-olds with twins, that's gotta be a lot to keep up with. So uh, good luck to you and your wife. <laughs> Thanks. I want to talk a little bit about how the recent increase in cyber attacks, what sort of an influence has that had on regulatory agencies and actually pushing them to take action? Yeah, well, this has really been an issue that has grown in importance since the early 2000s, when the federal government started to pay attention to the risks that were developing with the growth and reliance on the internet. Um, and there's a book I'm reading now called The Perfect Weapon, and it does a really good job of telling the story about how the U.S. was looking at how offensive cyber capabilities could enhance their military capabilities, but also the questions about what would happen when those were turned back around on us. And that's what we really see come to fruition over the last decade with sophisticated nation state attacks such as the OPM breach back in 2014 and a progression into attacks on the defense industrial base. We see a lot with the F-35 program and some of our nuclear submarines, specifically back in 2017 and 2018. And we also have some more well-known attacks on critical infrastructure and supply chains with the Colonial Pipeline attack and solar winds each of which have been attributed to nation state actors. So again, there's been a real increase in sophistication over the past decade in these types of attacks. So in each of these cases, the government and its regulatory agencies have responded by issuing new requirements or enhancing existing ones to try to catch up with the threat. And this includes things such as the Federal Information Security Modernization Act of 2014, DFARS contract clause, safeguarding cover defense information on non-federal systems, uh, which is focused on, again, the defense industry, You've got the TSA security directive regarding pipelines, and currently the SEC is proposing amendments to its rules to enhance and standardize disclosures regarding cybersecurity and risk management, along with strategy and governance. So again, a lot of this is driven to the increasing threats and risks within the environment. And this is really a trend towards uh, correcting the hands-off approach that regulatory agencies have taken traditionally in regards to cybersecurity. Initially, it was really kind of thought that market incentives would be enough to drive companies to implement robust cybersecurity standards and practices. But as we've seen, it really hasn't been the case. And agencies have been behind the ball and trying to catch up with, with the current threats. This has also led into a discussion about the role of government as far as funding 
for all these efforts, but that's that's kind of a topic for another day. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for that background. So when we talked about um, this topic being timely as well as relevant, I think the timeliness comes into play because Sox actually turns 20 this year. So I think that we've had a lot of time to to work with Sox, to figure out what works well with Sox and what we could do better with Sox. And, and that's an ongoing uh, a journey with, with, with Sox compliance. But can you talk a little bit about Sox itself and then talk about the role of IT in Sox compliance, please? Yeah. So as a background on, on SOX, or Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002, that was passed uh, in response to a number of corporate accounting fraud scandals, which most notably were Enron and by association, Arthur Anderson and WorldCom. And each of those companies was one of the largest firms within their industries at the time. And SOX is basically a corporate governance law focused on financial reporting, which covers a range of elements like maintaining auditor independence, reporting conflicts of interest, requiring financial disclosures and responsibilities of the corporate board. But the two most crucial elements of the act, in my opinion, are SOX Section 404, which requires a company to implement a system of internal controls over financial reporting that's attested to by an independent auditor, and Section 302, which holds top executives, such as the CEO and CFO, personally liable for the accuracy of a company's financial statements. Now, how that ties into IT security, um, IT plays a key role in the financial reporting function. So those systems are really the backbone of any business in that they facilitate and record transactions. And their integrity and availability are fundamental to the accuracy of financial reporting. So because of that, IT systems are in scope for the internal control frameworks and controls that must be designed and operating uh, to make sure that the systems are functioning as intended, uh, that access is restricted to those who require it, and the system has safeguards in place to ensure its operation. So basically controls addressing the CIA triad of confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Fantastic. Thank you for that. And I think you, you may have covered this already um, in your response. We want to talk a little bit about a SOX type approach to cybersecurity and specifically um, what areas might be tested or reviewed that are different than what we're looking at now. So say, for example, in, in SOX right now, um, from an IT perspective, we may look at access control. We may look at disaster recovery, uh, resilience, um, change management, those sorts of areas. Um, but if we did adopt a SOX like approach to cybersecurity, what would some areas, different areas be that we would take a look at? If you could share a little bit about that, please. Yeah, I think cybersecurity is a, a, a rapidly evolving sector. I think one of the things we're seeing now is a move away from kind of your traditional, you know, castle moat approach into uh, an area of zero trust, of continuous development and integration, kind of DevSecOps, right? Vulnerability identification and management are, are key. So there's a lot of areas where in addition to the traditional focus of SOX IT, which as you mentioned, access control, change management, and backup and recovery are, are kind of a lot of the key areas for SOX IT. When you think about where cybersecurity is going and what the existing threats are and how they're being exploited, there are different approaches that need to be adopted as far as best practices are concerned. And I think this really kind of gets us into the, a lot of the troubles that we're seeing now today with regulations in that they're backward looking. I referenced some of the DOD's requirements, and we'll discuss this a little further, but the standard and framework those are based are on were issued back in 2012 and 2013, the NIST SP 171 requirements. Uh, here we are almost a decade later. It's, it's, the threats are evolving and changing. So there's kind of a constant catch-up approach that's going on. And where I think SOX is relevant is more of the framework that it allows and how it is different than what the current approach is in terms of 
what is the core foundation of a regulation and what it allows as far as being a risk-based approach requiring executive buy-in and third-party attestation, which really provides its strength. And really where I think we should be looking at SOX as a model for regulations going forward. Okay, thank you very much. And I think you've touched on one of the things that we wanted to talk about, and that's how what you're proposing differs from current trends. And you did mention that currently we're taking sort of a backwards approach. So is there anything else that would distinguish um, what your perspective and your proposal from the current trends that we have right now? Yeah, so what we're currently seeing is, is really a fragmented approach where each agency, whether it's the DOD, Department of Homeland Security, uh, HHS, SCC, FTC, FCC, I mean, you can go on. I mean, any three-letter acronym you can think of is coming up with some piecemeal regulation um, addressing the risks that it's seeing in, in kind of the agencies that it has over, or the companies or industries that it has oversight of. A lot of times this is in response to either an executive order or an OIG audit or some other external factor. So basically these federal agencies and state agencies are operating in silos that are often have related objectives, but they're focusing on a specific risk. So whether it's the protection of personally identifiable information, personal health information, technical information, OT systems, each regulatory body seems to think that they need a specific approach or a set of controls to inform cybersecurity that must be implemented. And what that's really resulting in is regulatory overload. It strains the resources of, of organizations and it causes confusion. I've worked with plenty of clients who dedicate a significant amount of resources just to navigating the different regulations and associated frameworks. And the compliance overhead of managing all the requirements is a real concern and often is taking resources away of the core function of an IT security program and turning that what should be an IT security or cybersecurity program into more of a compliance box checking exercise, which is really the complete opposite of what you wanna be doing in these spaces. So again, the, the hope would be a more cohesive, um, forward-looking regulation to help companies design their own risk and threat assessments and implement best practices as needed from there versus being very prescriptive where if a company has to meet 20 different requirements from 20 different agencies, um, it's, it's really kind of sapping a lot of the energy and, and resources of those organizations. Yeah, I, I agree. And a lot of times uh, what people who work directly with Sarbanes-Oxley compliance say is that they, they may have compliance fatigue and you mentioned like tapping uh, resources. So I think, that's, I think that's a very real thing. So along those same lines, uh, given the the plethora of cybersecurity frameworks that you mentioned, Mike, is there an opportunity to leverage any of those existing frameworks from a risk assessment perspective uh, to the extent that we could identify or leverage cybersecurity controls and, and how we're testing the effectiveness of those? Yeah, and I think that's really part of the beauty of a SOX-like approach, right? There are plenty of existing frameworks out there, just to name a few, like the NIST, CSF, the CIS critical security controls, I mentioned NIST SP-800-171. There's also 853, which is used in federal environments. COVID, the ISO 2700 series. You could go on and on. And all of these frameworks have great value. They've been built on years of research and experience and known best practices. So they should be heavily um, leveraged by management when developing a system of cybersecurity internal controls. So again, through a risk assessment, management can tailor the controls that best mitigate risks to the business uh, based on their own operating environment. This is then assessed by a qualified and independent auditor who will opine on the design of the framework and its operating effectiveness. And that's where you, where you get your assurance, right? Again, I think that's one of those core tenets of the SOX regulation is having an outside independent qualified auditor 
look at what you're doing in saying, yep, this is good, it meets your needs, it, it, it's addressing the risks you've identified to this business. Um, and if that auditor thinks that uh, there's additional controls that should be applied or enhanced, that's communicated through an audit opinion. You know, very similar to how it would be conducted for financial reporting. So uh, to your point, I think um, it's not that there's a lack of good guidance or good frameworks out there. It's more um, how the regulations are prescribing them and how they're being evaluated in current requirements. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for that. So to talk about something very specific. So for the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, CMMC, can you talk, and granted, that's just something very specific and related to the United States Department of Defense, but can you talk a little bit about CMMC and how it, that compares to SOX? Yeah, definitely. And this is something I've been following closely, just working with, with the clients that I have. But I, I think it's an interesting direction in where things are going, being taken by regulatory agencies. So CMMC, uh, it's been quite a roller coaster after the past couple of years of them trying to figure out the way this should be implemented. And there's a lot of opinions on how it's going to work once it is implemented. They're, they're shooting for a March or April 2023 timeframe to release the requirement. You know, generally, I think there's a lot to like about the approach, and there's a few ways it's similar to SOX and a few ways it's different. So, and again, I want to preference that this is still under rulemaking. Things might change that it's issued, but um, you know, we'll talk through this, kind of point some of these, these things out. The first way it's similar to SOX is that it will require a third-party evaluation of a defense contractor's cybersecurity controls. So every three years, a company is going to, have to be recertified through an independent assessment. It's also similar in that it's going to require executive management certification. So with those two points, you're seeing alignment with SOC sections 404 and 302, which again, I mentioned those are key sections of that regulation, which give it a lot of fidelity. Now, a couple of ways it's going to be different, and this is where a lot of gripes with the proposed scheme come in. CMMC is prescriptive in its control requirements and that it's going to be based on this SB-171. And there are 110 of those. So every contractor who has this requirement in their contract will have to meet each of those 110 requirements. There is no risk-based tailoring or framework that's suitable for each business. Another point of contention is that a contractor will have to demonstrate 100% compliance with each of those controls. So this is a huge departure from other audit and compliance requirements where audit findings are evaluated in terms of risk for management's response. Under SOX, for example, if an issue is large enough, it may be classified as a material weakness, which can then be rectified. The, you know, the control may impact the company's ability to accurately report financial statements. So that needs to get cleaned up before you can issue your financial reports. Under CMMC, if it's found, if you do not pass that assessment, if you're found to have some control deficiencies, you will not be allowed to be re uh, awarded that contract. And that could have serious implications for your company um, especially if you need that contract or, or the contracts that you aren't able to bid on due to not having uh, passed the certification to actually stay viable as a company. So the risk is really jacked up to 11 on this. And I think that's where the Department of Defense is saying, look, we are treating this information very securely and we expect industry to do so as well. But um, you can definitely see there's a lot of hand wringing going on with the current construction of this requirement. Yeah, I can see how that level of detail would create some sort of concern and, and uh, anxiety as companies uh, try to uh, to comply with that. Um, can we talk a little bit about how a SOX-like approach would foster or support standardization and consistency in cybersecurity practices? Yeah. So, you know, for anyone who's worked with the numerous frameworks out there, you, you'll see that there are 
you know, while there's many kind of nuances and minor wording differences between control sets, often the core objective is very similar. Things like access control, asset management, change management, identification or authentication, backup recovery, uh, et cetera. Those are all key domains that can be found across frameworks. And while certain industries may rely more heavily on certain domains than others, given their industry-specific risks, there are going to be those key elements that one would expect to see in any IT or cybersecurity program. And I think that with a SOX-like approach, we would see something similar that we've seen with SOX IT, where alignment of industry practices and input from third parties has resulted in a general standard of expectations. It's kind of like the cream rising to the top. And when you have widely used frameworks already, such as NIST, CSF, and COVID, a general consensus is typically going to be reached on what control is required for a comprehensive system of internal controls. Uh, again, during any SOX IT audit, you're going to see those key controls that are going to be expected to be seen with kind of flavors. Every company is going to have a couple different controls suitable to their environment. But pretty, pretty often, you're going to see key controls that are pretty standardized across uh, organizations. And I want to say the really the beauty of all of it, again, is that it's risk-informed and flexible. So every company should be conducting periodic risk assessments that include regulatory considerations. So if you're subject to HIPAA or export controls or the California Consumer Protection Act, appropriate controls can be built into your specific framework of internal controls while also having those key controls that are probably expected across, you know, all types of industries and companies. Fantastic. And I, I certainly agree with um, organizations being placed in a position where they can make risk-informed decisions. I think that's absolutely critical. Um, and we know that in the industry, we've seen people taking what used to be an annual risk assessment and making that more frequent, more periodic uh, to address risks as they as they emerge. And then also as they, uh, they're on the horizon for organizations, which is really important. So thank you for mentioning that. So Mike, but I mean, no. on that point, you know, just kind of harking back to something we we're discussing earlier and kind of the evolution of cybersecurity, it's kind of the continuous monitoring, continuous testing as well. You know, as you move more towards infrastructure as a code and real time uh, monitoring, you know, all of this is becoming more automated. And I think that's a good point as to kind of where things are going in the future as well. Right. Fantastic. So, yeah, thank you for that. So, Mike, let's talk about the elephant in the room. So we've talked about there are a lot of frameworks out there that are available to people. Um, we've talked about compliance fatigue, not necessarily limited just to SOX, but other compliance initiatives of organizations. Can you talk about why organizations might be hesitant to adopt a SOX-like approach to cybersecurity? Yeah. And um, it's kind of, a, a, you know, one word, the cost. Um, it can be expensive. And I think that we saw that a lot. You know, again, SOX was passed in 2002. And really for five, six years after that, there was a lot of complaining about the cost associated with SOX. Now, I will say, I mean, there were a lot of hurdles, a kind of kind of general understanding of what was really required by the regulations. Um, but things have gotten to a point where it's almost now just another part of doing business. Companies have kind of built in, you know, what it means to implement and have a system of internal controls. It's second nature. I mean, now, to be honest, there's a lot of companies who wouldn't even think to operate without them because we can see what happens when you have uh, poor internal control practices. So um, again, anything like this where you're going to be having third-party auditors uh, evaluate your company, um, there's a cost associated with that. You're also going to have to spend money on internal resources. So again, there are plenty of companies out there that really, as they're trying to build and grow, security is really kind of a second thought. It's, it's the back burner. You're, you're focused on building your business. But um, as you mature, these are things that you should definitely be looking at and uh, it's harming yourself and your customers if you don't have those in place. So 
Um, I would say that cost there is, is the big issue and um, really implementing a, a requirement that would have a third party auditor come in and evaluate you when there's a lot of companies, um, again, there's plenty of private companies out there that don't have to comply with SOX, that um, if we really want to make sure that we're getting good coverage um, and ensuring that um, you know, critical industries such as you know, power, healthcare, um, defense, um, that even those private companies are getting coverage as well, there, there's definitely a cost associated with that. From another angle, I think there's going to be a real challenge with getting regulatory agencies on the same page. You know, I'm not the first person to kind of think about this, that, um, you know, hey, these companies should be working together and you got to break down these silos or these agencies should be working together. It's very hard to get that to happen. And, and uh, you know, every agency does seem to think that, hey, there's a specific thing that I need to be checking for. So I don't want to be kind of aligning with, with other agencies. But I think in, in the long run, that really harms everyone uh, for the reasons we've discussed. Thank you. Thank you for that. So we've talked a little bit about the benefits that could be obtained by taking a SOX-like approach to cybersecurity. So if someone actually reaches a point where they're having that discussion about here's the cost, they're actually considering doing this. So they're having that discussion about cost. What would be some of the benefits that would bubble up to the top to say, yes, this is the cost, but here are the benefits that that you would actually achieve and, and the cost would actually be worth it? Yeah. So when you are a company dealing with multiple regulations that seem to overlap, structuring your program to meet the objectives of multiple requirements with comprehensive processes can save you a lot of headaches. So, you know, taking that bolt-on approach where you're trying to segment out requirements and meet things on a one-for-one -one basis, it's like death from a thousand cuts. So a robust assessment and resource planning session can go a long way to making sure your program is built to operate effectively while maximizing resources. So again, it's a matter of taking a step back, understanding what are the similarities and what are the objectives of these different regulations and designing a program to be more inclusive and specific where needed. Again, there are certain things that, again, it's just a, a cost of doing business uh, in a certain industry where you are gonna have a specific carve out, but to the extent that you can to develop a comprehensive security program that is also compliant to regulations, going that step above that if you've got multiple reporting requirements, take the, the highest one or even go beyond that. And that's your new standard internally. I think that will clear out a lot of the kind of fatigue that you'd be, you know, from trying to meet multiples and just say, well, this is the way that we do business and we have the resources and the infrastructure to do this. I think that would be the approach that that company should be looking to take. Fantastic. Thank you for that. I think that uh, there's a lot to talk about in this area and just in cyber security space, that domain uh, of itself. But unfortunately, we do have to, to wrap up for today. I do encourage our listeners to take a look at Mike's full article. It's entitled, Should Cybersecurity Be Subject to a SOX Type Regulation? It's in Volume 5, 2022 of the ISACA Journal. And there's also a link in the description below uh, so that you can read his full article. And we want to thank again, Mike Tomaselli, Senior Manager at Chess Consulting for spending time with us and sharing his perspectives. Very much appreciated. So thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. That's all the time we have for today. Um, I'm Robin Lyons uh, with ISACA IT Audit Professional Practices Principal. And thank you for joining and see you next time.